Hello and welcome to the spiritguides.co.uk network radio show with your host Mark Chatterton. We are pleased to welcome onto the show today Helen Sewell. Helen is a professional astrologer in private practice who has been practicing astrology for over 25 years. She has a diploma in psychological astrology and gives consultations to individuals, couples and businesses and is also a relationship counsellor for the organisation Relate. So a warm welcome to you, Helen. Thank you, Mark. Yes, good to be here. Uh, to begin with, I'd just like to know exactly what is it that an astrologer does as, as part of, you know, you're, you're obviously your, your professional astrologer, but how, how does it all work, astrology? Right, well, it's a very ancient art. In fact, the uh, first written records go back to the 9th century BCE. Um, and basically, it was the Babylonians that, that um, became interested, though I imagine it, it's since the dawn of man. And certainly, the days before electric lights and light pollution, they'd be out there in the fields looking up. And what they realize is that there's an incredible correlation between the movements of the planets and what happens on Earth. And in ancient times, they realized that um, it enabled them to predict things like wars and famines. And then um, later on, but still in sort of ancient history, an astrological chart, which is a map of the positions of the planets at the, the moment somebody's born or any event takes place because any moment in time can be mapped. And what they would do, they would do the astrological chart for the king or the queen because there was no sense of an individual as such in those days. There, there wasn't, you know, the sort of uh, self-development or or people trying to grow as such. They, they were very much uh, a collective. And if the king fared well, then the country fared well. And if the king fell ill or um, hit bad times, then the country hit bad times. So they only ever did the chart for, for the ruler. And gradually, as the outer planets, the three outer planets, Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, were discovered, with that brought a kind of a new consciousness. It was very um, psychological, and I trained as a psychological astrologer. And people like the famous um, psychoanalyst, uh, Carl Jung, he, he would use astrology to help him to... Uh, you know, with his his patients, because he believed it was the best map of the psyche that we have. And when you have, uh, it's like a road map. So you, the positions of the planets are all connected with uh, particular angles. And being an astrologer, I can interpret those. And so there's the individual astrology, looking at somebody's personal birth chart. But what I've become more interested in, in in recent years is the astrology of, it's called mundane astrology. It's the astrology of world events, countries. It's very sort of socio, socio-political. And um, I'd like to pay homage to Richard Tarnas because uh, he, he's an incredible academic. In fact, his first book, um, Passion of the Western Mind was a, a textbook in many universities. And then um, 
he'd, he'd in the background, he'd been working on a book called Cosmos and Psyche. And uh, he'd spent, he spent about 30 years on this book. And he was correlating the uh, cycles of, of the outer planets. And again, what was happening in society in, in the Western world. And so we can plot the cycles and get a really good idea as to the kind of energies that are around, what's in the collective at any given moment, which has been sort of hugely helpful, um, you know, to somebody like me, who has started to, to study all this. So does that give you a kind of a bit of a background to astrology? Yes, because obviously I know you've, you've done a lot about um, the year 2012, and I'd like to come on to that later. But first of all, I just wanted to... Um, find out what it means for you. Uh, uh, you call yourself a psychological astrologer. How, do, how does that actually work? Okay. Well, um, each of the planets, uh, how I look at a birth chart, it's a bit like uh, a Shakespearean play. The, the planets are, are, are the actors, and then the signs that the planets are in are like the costumes they put on and the roles they're going to play. And then the chart is also divided up into 12 houses. And each house represents a different area of life. So if you like the houses, the, 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 where the planets are in the houses, is like the stage set. So it's how we live a certain aspect out. So we all have uh, the planets in a particular position at the moment we were born. So, for instance, you know, you might you might have your sun in Aries, and then you might have your moon in Capricorn, and then you might have uh, Mercury, Venus, all in different signs. And each one is like a, a god. And the gods are alive and well today, as they were 3,000 years ago. And each planet represents a different aspect of our psyche. So... You know, we can play out, say, our Venus when it's uh, to do with relationships. Or if there's, you know, we need action and we need energy, we might use our Mars. And then the planets have angles between each other. And when you have a, a, a square aspect, a 90-degree aspect, or a 180-degree aspect between two planets, this causes a tremendous amount of tension and it's like the the grit that makes the pearl. It's what we really have to work on to, to improve. And then we have harmonious aspects between the planets, like the, the trines, which are 120 degrees, or the sextiles, which are 60 degrees. And that's where it reveals our sort of hidden talents and gifts. But it doesn't mean that we have to particularly work hard at them. It's the squares and the oppositions that causes the, the, the difficulties, if you like. So when somebody comes and I, I draw up their birth chart, it gives me an incredible map of their personality and uh, how they might respond in, in certain situations, what, um, yeah, each aspect of their, of their personality or their individuality is sort of written in the stars, if you like. And when somebody comes, it can be very helpful because I really believe that we, 
you know, we are on a journey of self-discovery and growth and learning more about ourselves so that we, we can change and become better people. And that's part of our sort of uh, incarnation, if you like, is part of our destiny to do that. So I believe that astrology is, is an incredible tool for self-discovery. Now, uh, in terms of countries, they also have birth charts. And if you like, that's why England is so different to, say, Spain or Greece, because they have a different type of chart. We are, uh, England is a Capricorn country, and I use the chart of the crowning of William the Conqueror in 1066, Christmas Day. And interestingly enough, some astrologers use the unification of the UK, which is in 1801, and we still have our sun in the sign of Capricorn. And the sign of Capricorn is very traditional. It's um, to do with the establishment. It's to do with conservatism, a small c. It's to do with um, being slightly melancholic. Um, somebody like John Cleese would be a typical representative of of an English person. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, that sort of uh, slight melancholia, but with that uh, ironic sense of humour. It's slightly bumbling. It's the stiff upper lip. It's the, you know, sort of uh, trying to be seen to be doing the right thing. Um, Capricorn's very stoic. It likes to build something that's solid and lasting. And the sign that was coming up over the horizon the moment uh, that England was born is the sign of Aries, the warlike sign of Aries. Now, Aries always wants a conquest. So you've got that combination of the, of the Aries going out there trying to conquer and that Capricornian side which wants to build something that, that lasts and is uh, very, very slow changing. It's an earth sign. So if you, if you get the picture, um, it's like America, for instance, and I do the chart for Independence Day for them. That was 4th of July, 1776. And they're a cancer country. And that's the uh, sign associated with home, family, security. And it's very interesting when, when uh, Americans talk about even their companies. They always talk about the family, the NASA family. It's, um, it really comes out very strongly in them. And they've got the fiery sign of Sagittarius rising which is like uh, the big picture. It's, it's the, the image of the cowboy, if you like. It's um, quite optimistic, generally, you know, sort of uh, laissez-faire, wants, uh, thinks in big, in big uh, proportions. And that combined with, you know, that cancer sun, it, again, you get that sort of the personality coming through. And that's that's how it works, really. Yeah, it's interesting that you say about individuals and you've, you've said about different countries. Is it possible then to do a, a, an astrological chart for a town or a city or a whole region of a, a country, perhaps? 
that's more difficult because we don't always know when it was first formed. If it was a new town, that, that's, you know, one day it was like the ribbon was cut and the new town was opened, then we would have a moment, wouldn't we? But a lot of our towns and cities have evolved over many, many centuries and we've no idea about when they were first uh, came into being. Yes, so that would be quite a subjective thing to do, really, I suppose. (laughs) That would be very difficult. But but countries usually have a birth. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's usually some signing of some documentation or, as I say, the crowning of William the Conqueror. And and I like that particular chart very much because it really was um, the birth of England. Uh, The Normans, when they invaded, they completely took over our culture. We've had virtually an unbroken line of kings and queens since that time. And uh, it it just fits so well. It it really does. And I I think, interestingly enough, that... um, England is quite a player on the world stage this year. And I think there's something about this country which is uh, quite unique and special. Yes, because I understand you've, you've actually, uh, back in two, uh, 2008, you wrote a whole uh, uh, article about the, the year 2012 and Britain and so on. So perhaps well, you, you could say a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah, well, first of all, it, it was um, back in uh, 2006, I think. Um, Jeff Stray, who um, has written you know, uh, an amazing book on, on the uh, phenomenon of 2012, um, he wanted me to look at the, at the chart for 2012. So this was like six years ago. And that's when basically I started to get interested in looking at the charts of countries and that sort of thing. And uh, when, I, when I looked at it, I thought, gosh, this, this is, uh, you know, very interesting. There's kind of uh, quite a lot going on. And, you know, most people, when they think about 2012 and all the mind prophecies and that sort of thing, um, you'd imagine that the key countries would be, you know, either in South America or maybe Egypt or something like that. But then when I combined it, and what astrologers do is that you can put the natal chart, so that would be the chart of England in the middle, and then you put the positions of the planets um, for the winter solstice of 2012 around the outside. And when the planets form um, conjunctions, that means when they're together, or when they form you know, angles, 90 degrees, 180 degrees, 120 degrees, then this is highly significant. And one of the first things I noticed is that the planet Pluto, actually one of the the very first thing I noticed was the time of the winter solstice this year was exactly at 11.11. And it was back in the mid-90s when a friend of mine, he, he said to me, hey, have you, have you noticed that uh, when you look at um, how frequently, when you look at digital clocks, you see 11.11? And I hadn't until that moment. And then since then, I keep seeing it. And apparently there's, a, there's this whole um, global movement, the 11.11 uh, phenomenon, 
basically started by this uh, visionary in America called Solara. Right. And uh, you just have to tap in 1111, and there is so much about this mystical number. So I thought, ooh, you know, that's a bit creepy. Um, so anyway, going back to Pluto. Pluto, he's in myth. When Zeus was dividing up the kingdoms, he gave Neptune the rivers and the seas, and he gave Pluto the underworld. And you might think, oh, that's a lesser inheritance, but it wasn't, because his law was irrefutable. And when you look to see what was going on in the collective, in society, when the outer planets were discovered, it gives you huge insights into the, the essence of the planet or the god. And when Pluto was discovered in 1930, we had the rise of the Third Reich. And Pluto is very much to do with um, uh, control, power. Um, it's very difficult energy to deal with. You need a lot of consciousness because Pluto also rules death, birth, transformation, sex, um, evolution. So it's, it's a very big planet, despite what the scientists say, trying to demote it and everything. And um, Pluto, the planet, this planet of, of power, is uh, going to be on England's sun this year. And the point in the chart to do with our public standing in the world. So when they were doing the whole Olympic bid, um, and I saw this, and even though we were rank outsiders against France, uh, I just thought it was, uh, I just thought, no, we are definitely going to be thrust onto the world stage. Because if this, if this was a person, that's what happens. Margaret Thatcher came to power when she had Pluto transit. Um, it thrusts you into that position of power, or if you are in a position of power, sometimes it can mean your downfall as well. So I thought that uh, you know that that was a, a, a very interesting aspect to have. And Pluto is in the sign of Capricorn, and Capricorn rules governments. It rules the establishment. It um, rules things like uh, institutions, like the financial institutions, the NHS, so uh, the monarchy, the military, all the things that are part of the establishment. And Pluto, when it goes through a sign, you get a tremendous um, sort of feeling of transformation in all those areas that the sign rules. Like when it was going through uh, Sagittarius from 1995 to 2008, um, Sagittarius is to do with excess. It rules religion, and we had the big, um, you know, clash really between uh, Islam and Christianity. And when it got to the middle of Sagittarius, of course, that's when we had 9/11, when Pluto was exactly on America's ascendant which is, you know, very uh, significant. So uh, with Pluto going on to England's sun, 
well, when it first went into Capricorn in 2008, we had the financial cra- uh, banking crash and that kind of thing. Um, we're seeing a lot of changes, certainly in our institutions like the NHS. Uh, makes me wonder about what's going to happen to the monarchy during this period of, of Pluto and Capricorn. It's in Capricorn for 16 years, by the way. And um, with with Pluto in Capricorn on England's sun, we're going to get this uh, quite an interesting effect because the government's going to use that power and control. But the thing with Pluto is it comes from a place of fear because that's when we try to manipulate and control is when we're in a place of fear. Now, it's Pluto, the planet Pluto, is going to be in a very dynamic aspect to the planet Uranus. And when Uranus was discovered in 1771, that was an, a, a whole era of uh, dramatic change to do with revolution. We had the American Revolution, the French Revolution, the Industrial Revolution. He is the great awakener. Uranus is the one that brings in the new. He's the rebel of, of the Zodiac. Very Promethean in, in his outlook. He wants to bring mankind on. He wants freedom. So if you can imagine that energy on the one side with um, the Pluto in Capricorn on the other, and when Uranus went into the sign of Aries last March, um, it was very, very significant the way the whole Arab Spring uprisings because um, Aries is a much war, more warlike sign. So here we have the revolutionary really rising up, and Uranus is going to be in sign of Aries for seven years. So you can see the, the uh, conflicts that, that are going on between power and control and Uranus, which is bringing, it's waking people up, it's trying to bring them to a new stage, uh, a new awareness. And, and this particular cycle started in the mid-60s. So if you can think of all the things that were going on then, there was an incredible amount of uh, rebellion. People, it's almost like people were standing up and saying, no, we don't want this in our names, like the Vietnam War, um, the Chinese Cultural Revolution. It's a time of revolution. And Uranus ruling revolution and Pluto ruling sex, we literally had the sexual revolution. That's what it was termed, and I thought that was, that was quite telling. Astrology can be very literal sometimes. So um, the energies that were around in the mid-60s, they, they're sort of, we're seeing very similar things going on now. But these two energies aren't working together like they were in the 60s. They're working against each other. So we're getting um, these sort of despots that have been in power, like in the Middle East, for about 40 years. And they're finally being toppled by that Uranian Promethean spirit. So these are hugely um, 
it, well, a time of, of huge upheaval, actually, uh, both personally to people. Anybody that's got um, a personal planet in the early degrees of the cardinal signs, so that's Aries, Cancer, Libra, and Capricorn, will probably be feeling, um, feeling it, <laughs> basically, uh, since, what, three years ago, and also kind of uh, going going through for the next few years, um, they'll, they'll be really feeling it. Say, for instance, you've got your Venus um, in early degrees of one of those signs. Um, you're going to have big upheavals on the relationship front. Um, or if you've got your sun or moon or ascendant in the early degrees of the cardinal signs, then, then you know, you're going to have this conflict within you to, towards, uh, to do with uh, freedom versus control or power struggles with other people maybe, trying to break free from um, outmoded ways of being. So, so very dramatic times. So... You mentioned earlier about the royal family and in a few weeks' time we've got the celebrations for the Queen's Diamond Jubilee. Um, mm. Does that tie in with what you're saying or, or will everything well, be fine or, or could there be problems there? Is that, is that what you're saying? Well, um, the other thing that I looked at was when you, when you have long transits going on and the Uranus-Pluto square will go on for about three years... What you do is you look at, say, full moons and new moons because they often really constellate the energy. And um, so some time back now, I looked at all the full moons and new moons for 2012 and the the most tension-filled, difficult uh, one was the 4th of June, which is a, a partial lunar eclipse as well and coincidentally is at 11.11, universal time, 12.11 GMT. Now, um, British summer time, I should say. Now, the full moon is going to be in a very dynamic square, T-square it's called, a square aspect to the god of war, Mars. And that Mars is exactly on England's Saturn. And Saturn is our infrastructure. It's our physical buildings. It's the establishment. And I think, I'm not saying that something's going to happen on the 4th of June, but I'm very, very curious to know why they would have chosen such a difficult day. Because it is so so filled with tension. In fact, very, very similar aspect to what we had um, on the 7-7 bombings. And what about the Olympics? Because obviously that's going to be, um, you know, perhaps even bigger on a worldwide scale, everyone looking at London then. Yeah. Is yes, anything exactly. ha- going to happen then, would you say? Well, with the, with the Olympics, I think, uh, I mean, the chart isn't, isn't nearly so difficult for the opening ceremony. Um, but... We're already seeing that that um, you know that that tension between Pluto bringing in more and more control, and um, people 
beginning to get more and more unhappy, you know, and sort of bringing out the rebel in, in most people, actually. But the thing about Pluto in, in Capricorn is that it comes from a place of fear. So if you tell everybody that, uh, you know, that, well, we're, there, there could be a terrorist attack and we've got to have all these um, service-to-air missiles, you know, on your rooftops and this kind of thing, uh, people are sort of begging for it. And, and it's sort of... It's a bit insidious because once you've had it, it's very difficult to, to gain your freedoms back again after you've lost them. So it is very much um, an archetypal battle between these two energies of freedom versus control. I'm not sure which one's going to win, to be honest. But um, the in terms of the fact that Pluto is on England's sun... Um, yeah, it's a, it's a difficult one. It gives us an opportunity to, to stand in our power, but we have to have a lot of consciousness to, to deal with that amount of power. Otherwise, it goes into fear and control. So, you know, the people, I don't think, are the type of nation that, that can... We can stand... Capricorns can stand something for quite some time before it cracks. But when it cracks, it really cracks. So, and especially with Uranus in Aries, which is sort of, you know, a real... He loves the conquest and, and to and the fight. So, you know, it's, it's incredible, really. It's, it's so um, dynamic. So, presumably... If we get through the Diamond Jubilee and the Olympics and we get to the 21st of December this year, yeah. can can you see anything sort of spectacular happening then or is it is it just going to be like the end of one era and the, the start of a new era as far as you're concerned? Well, I mean, my personal belief is that, that um, you know, it won't be everything happening in one day. I think that um, it really, it's been going on for a few years now, but I think it really really started to crank up in 2008 when Pluto, when the outer planets move sign, it's almost like we get quite a big shift in, in society and it's almost like we pick up a different colored lens and start to see everything through the lens of the sign it's in. You know, as I described with Pluto in, in Sagittarius, which was very much to do with living on the excess, as soon as it went into Capricorn, the party's over. Capricorn is an earth sign and it rules things to do with the earth and and so therefore over the next 16 years I think we could see a tremendous amount of um, earth changes with volcanic activity um, you know volca- uh, uh, earthquakes that natural disasters that kind of thing affecting the weather of course um, and also with the chart to do with um, the, the, the sort of harder energies of Uranus and Pluto, we have the third outer planet, which is Neptune. And Neptune is the planet to do with the spiritual. It's to do with the numinous. It's to do with that deep longing in all of us to return back to the source. And it likes to, whatever it touches, it sort of softens it. And in the chart of 2012... We've got it on the ascendant. So therefore, there's going to be, I think, uh, a lot of people 
Um, and, and Neptune rules our dreams and, you know, what we, we really hope for. So it's very significantly placed on the, on the ascendant. Um, and I think that's very much reflective of the amount of people that, that sort of talk about us all moving into another dimension or, you know, that there's going to be this massive shift. Well, um, the thing about astrology is you can only, you can't predict exactly what's going to happen. It can give you tremendous clues because you can look back throughout history and see what's happened at various junctures. It's like a spiral that goes round and round. So, you know, so saying what was going on in the 60s is very much reflected now again. But Neptune is with the planetoid Chiron, and Chiron is the wounded healer. And I can imagine a lot of people waking up on December the 22nd uh, being in quite a place of disillusionment and disappointment because of, I, I just don't think it, it works that, that there are, you know, there, there is these sort of great shifts um, that happen all on one day. I could be wrong. I could be wrong. Um, but I think that part of our incarnation on the planet is to do the hard work to evolve ourselves through, you know, working on ourselves and thereby bringing the whole of mankind on as much as we can because we've got a long way to go. But in... It, you know, it's 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 just fascinating the way it's, it's reflected in the chart. Um, there's also another configuration called a yod or finger of God, which is very very fated. And this involves the planet Jupiter in Gemini. It's like a triangle, and we've got Jupiter at the apex, and we've got Saturn and Pluto on the other two uh, points of the triangle. Now, Jupiter is a planet to do with expansion. In fact, it features more in death charts than Pluto does because it's like, it's like that physical expansion out of, um, non-physical expansion out of our bodies. So um, we've got that in the sign of Gemini, which rules the mind. It rules the way we think, the way, the way we... Um, uh, all of our thinking process and communication processes. So if there was going to be some kind of expansion of consciousness, this would be very much in keeping with this kind of chart. And, and right in the middle of that configuration is Venus, which, of course, is what the Mayans, the planet that, that uh, the Mayans really revered. She, she wasn't just a planet of uh, love and harmony. She was also uh, the goddess of, uh, of war. And all, the other thing about the 4th of June, actually, and the Jubilee, is that the next day we've got the Venus transit across the sun, which, again, I think is highly significant that it should be in 2012 because... Um, the Venus only transits across the sun in pairs. So the last one was in 2003. Um, so it's 
you get a pair of them eight years apart and then not in our lifetime will we see that again. So it won't be for the next 100 and plus years um, that that will happen. So again, highly significant that, that uh, the transit of Venus is, is the day after the, the Jubilee, I think. Right. Um, I've just got one final question looking beyond 2012 because a lot of commentators are talking about a, a golden age from the year 2032 onwards. I just wondered if you've come across anyone who's done a horoscope that far ahead and if you've you know, heard any of these ideas at all. Okay. Well, maybe they're talking more in terms of... Um, so people have heard of the procession of the, of the equinauts. It's, it's to do with um, an age. We, and each age is about 2,000 years. And we have been in the age of Pisces. And if you think of the symbol for Pisces, which is the two fish, and um, it's been very representative of, say, Christianity, which is also the symbol of the fish. And anybody that's seen the Zeitgeist film, the, it's in three parts. The first part is all about the ages and how how you can see them astronomically. And I think that we are on the cusp of moving. I think it takes about 200 years to move from one age to another. So yes, we are uh, moving from the age of Pisces into the age of Aquarius, which has a completely different feel. So for the next 2,000 years, we'll be in the age of Aquarius. Now, there's a lot of dispute about when exactly does this start. I think that there's this sort of melding of the two as, as, as we see the sort of the death of the traditional religions, um, you know, that all the sort of the Piscean things of that age are dying and something, the Aquarian age is, is being born. And there's always a collective anxiety when there's the death of something and the rebirth of something else. And the uh, Aquarius is, is an air sign, and it very much rules new technology. And the thing is, it's not that grounded. Um, so I think that the whole age of, of technology, if, if one could even imagine even a hundred years' time, where we will be, I think there'll be a melding together between our human physical beings and technology. And that's already starting. It's already starting. It's going to pose a tremendous amount of moral questions, you know, when, when we can um, live forever, because, you know, we will be able to, obviously. But I think we'll become less and less connected to the earth and our emotions. Pisces um, is a water sign, which, which very much rules feelings and passions and emotions. Um, the air signs are very much to do with, um, they're the most civilized. And if, if you look at the symbolism of um, the astrological signs, the air signs are, are either human beings, like Gemini, the twins, or Aquarius, the water bearer, or inanimate objects like Libra, which is the scales. The water signs are these ancient creatures 
we've got um, Cancer the Crab, Scorpio the Scorpion, and Pisces the Fish. They're, they're, they come from their gut feeling. They're, they're very different kettle of fish. So the air signs are the most, make us most human, if you like. They're the ones that we wouldn't have society and civilization without the air signs. So it's that reasoning capacity. And that's how we're evolving. You know, we're becoming more civilized, inverted commas. But their ruling planet is Uranus. And if you can think of how much bloodshed has, has taken place in the um, quest for an ideal. Where think of the French Revolution. It, it's, it's very uh, ideological um, in that they wanted something new and to, and to get rid of the old. But look how many people died. So, you know, it's, it's that sort of rational thought isn't particularly sort of thinking um, from a a feeling point of view so i hope that <laughs> yeah there's certainly a lot to um think about from what you've said tonight um but obviously it's been a very interesting interview and um if people want to find out a bit more about this we'll we'll put a link on on the website to your website and and to the um bit that you wrote about 2012 as well but and also if people sure. if people sure. want to find out about um having a astrological chart done they they can contact you through your website i presume yes that's right yeah 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 absolutely all right well thank you ever so much helen and um wish you well in, in with your work in the future and, and thank you very much for um agreeing to be interviewed with us on the spirit guides oh thank you very much